Hi everyone, my name is Vidya. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Fitbots. Excited to host another exciting episode of Goal Getters. This is where we get to speak to the best of best OKR practitioners globally. I'm so excited to host Mariel Breton, Director of Corporate Programs, Rombi. Mariel is a bilingual executive with more than 20 years of international experience with global companies, managing strategic execution programs that ensure productivity, product development to elevate customer satisfaction levels and maintain regional business continuity. Among many accolades, Mariel is also a certified Six Sigma and an OKRs professional. Truly an honor to have you on the show, Mariel. Thank you so much, Vidya. And I'm very happy to meet your audience here at Fitbots. It's a great investment of my time because I am really passionate about OKRs. So I really love when I have the opportunity to talk about them and then also to learn more. So I'm looking forward to this experience with you. Likewise, Mariel, I've been following your work and it's really exciting to see how you've really driven strategy execution. Before we get there, we would love to know as to how did you really get to where you are? All right. So I started working around 1999. So you know that Prince song, we're going to party like it's 1999. I actually did. I enjoyed my first job. It was with um, Energizer, the battery company, and it was awesome. Back then it was in marketing, but I've always been in programs, projects, and I identify with these words like productivity and performance. So that's how I got started. And then over the years, I started like migrating from consumer goods to then um, manufacturing settings and more industrial settings, plants. And over time, it was years later where through this wonderful company called Cookson Electronics that I first started my baby steps in quality. And from there, it was to Six Sigma, the Six Sigma methodology. So I became acquainted with that. People call it a program, but no, Six Sigma is a, it's a methodology. People would say it's the method of methods because it brings together several techniques, several theories from a wide range of studies and areas. It's associated with reducing waste, eliminating variation, and of course, because it has this very strong element of always trying to seek and elevate customer satisfaction. So it's all these great things you would want for your company, right? And a lot of people think it's only about training because there is a lot of training. That is a huge component. You have to get certified and it has all these stages, but that's just the beginning. Really, the training is the tip of the, the iceberg because it's all about running projects and seeking these improvements, like radical improvements in your company. When I was exposed to OKRs, that for me came during the pandemic, which was when I joined this wonderful company called Romby. And I remember that when I was going through my training, because I was unfamiliar with OKRs when I joined this company. So I had to start from scratch. And I remember trying to see if I could take a shortcut, if there was something I knew from my prior experience, my previous experience with Six Sigma. And there were these similarities, right? In both, I don't want to say methods, but in both programs, in, in both currents of thought, if you wish, it's so important to have an executive sponsor. 
for these programs, because they do absorb so many resources and time from everyone in the company, you really do need to have that executive sponsorship. And then another thing were this body of champions. In Six Sigma, you call them belts. And here within OKRs, you do call them champions. And that's your support network. These are your catalysts. And they are so important. So that was another thing. And the more I started learning, I drew even more comparisons, more similarities. So in both methodologies, you have projects. In OKRs, the basic is this acronym of objectives and key results. And what you have in an OKR program is the foundation for strategic execution. And it's also a framework and a methodology, comes with theory and practice, its own structure. And then it becomes its own thing in your company. But what I remember learning, and I I learned it a little bit the hard way, was that whatever it is, either Six Sigma or OKRs, you really have to tailor it to the needs of your company. It cannot be something you copy paste into the DNA of your company. There are all these very fine, fine adjustments that you need to do for it to work. So what I remember finding remarkable was I've I've always been drawn to project management, right? I love projects because you get this thrill, right? From delivering them on time and from being challenged and pushed. And within OKRs, you also have this wonderful opportunity that maybe not every objective is going to have a project, but there is this systems approach where when you're thinking of your objective and the key results, there needs to be this systems thinking of how are you going to make this work? How are you going to deliver it? So it's about designing your work, designing the resources, planning that out. And many key results or the challenging ones, right? The difficult ones. For those, you do need projects. And going back to Six Sigma, well, Six Sigma, it runs on projects. It's all projects. So I really like that. And um, the way you have this rhythm, this cadence, and it really gets embedded into your company, into your business, into the way you do things. What I love about OKRs is this uh, three-month cadence because it's agile, it keeps things relevant, fresh, and it keeps a company and everyone you know in it on its toes, right? Because you you have these deadlines to complete so there is no comfort zone you know oddly enough you don't have that pleasure but you do get in exchange for that this sense of purpose and that drive and it does push you to collaborate more going back to six sigma what you have there is to run a project the methodology requires that you have a team of people who are in different areas so that they can give you a new, a fresh pair of eyes so that they do not become blind to the problem. And within OKRs, you have that too, because for a good objective to be laid out and crafted, you edit it several times. And it's a wonderful thing when you have this opportunity to show it to other people in your company and bounce ideas off of it before it's like the final objective you're going to have for that quarter. I thought that was wonderful because it is through 
this process of asking questions that your program becomes better and your OKRs for that quarter. It's wonderful. Thank you. That is beautifully articulated. So, uh, you know, you mentioned a very, very interesting point about company culture and sponsorship. And in Rombi, you've really adopted OKRs and you're iterating as you were sharing the other day. So I would love to learn more about Rombi and your organizational purpose and where does OKRs fit into that mix? So Rombi is as tech as you can get, right? It is software as a service. It is internet of things. It is artificial intelligence, swarm AI. It is a very techie company, right? It is in Silicon Valley. So it was contagious for this company to, of course, embrace OKRs. It's something that is in that Bay Area. It's in the Valley. So it's very common for many companies. But what I think stands out is that you you hear these narratives, right? These stories of how did you begin with OKRs? And in many companies, they'll say, well, the CEO read this book or someone mentioned it at one of these networking events and asked more. And yes, that's how the sparks get, they come alive, right? That's how these things happen. But before Romby decided to adopt it and know more, they did their homework, right? There was this huge research initiative. So it was not improvisation. It was not improvised. It was the result of really thinking if this program and this methodology would adapt to their culture and where they were in the year 2019. And it was just, you know, such a a blessing, really, that at the time of the pandemic, and I'm talking about, you know, that early first, very volatile, uncertain quarter, you know, back in March 2020, the company already had one quarter under its belt working with OKRs. So they were all starting to build this language, this common language for all departments, for all team members to come together and be able to articulate the most important priorities and initiatives they were going to work with. And it was challenging because offices were closing. Jerome B works with distributed teams and also remote teams. In fact, we also embrace this hybrid uh, work culture, right? So the fact that we already had this support system for business, right? This business operating model that could cater to our needs and help us communicate better was just awesome. Fantastic. It was awesome, like for all the right reasons, because we already had a systems, the systems approach, it was already widespread. So it was kind of like our safety net, right? It allowed us to just perform better, to remain productive. And because we were having these frequent meetings, in OKRs, we call them check-in meetings. And so it, it gives you that pulse check, right? How's the team doing? Or even for individual contributors, Another like superpower that came from OKRs was this opportunity for different teams to all be able to showcase their work and get this visibility, even for tiny projects, right? Because these tiny projects are often um, building blocks for something more. That was, I thought, amazing, right? I was like, well, how lucky are we 
that in the middle of this very challenging time, we have a tool that we all use Mm -hmm. in a language that works for all of us and is common to us. And then we have the opportunity to come together and really pursue our company's vision and mission in in a unified way as a common front, as this one team, right? So it it gave us that stability. Lovely. You know, I really like what you're saying that many, you know, companies turned remote overnight a few years ago and scrambling to really figure out how to get teams together. And then you very quickly realized there's OKRs and you brought it into the fold and really got teams to align to a common purpose. And really, I think that's a Beautiful story that you articulated, Mariel. And I just want to go back to the point around, um, you know, when you introduced OKRs, because many a time when OKR practitioners are trying to introduce it for the first time, they may need to be mindful or have a step-by-step approach. So could you walk us through, you know, a few steps that you took to ensure that OKRs are sustained in your context? This is a great question, uh, Vidya, because when I came to Rombi, there had already been this quarter with working with OKRs. So it had been introduced, but I was hired as a dedicated resource solely with one purpose, which was to dedicate my working hours to help it catch on, to support it, also to help with the tool that we were using, a software for goal management. And on that note, I actually do recommend it, right? Because I cannot imagine where you would not have a tool that would help you with automation and streamlining And it just takes the hassle out of everything else so that you can concentrate on the important things like writing good quality OKRs and awesome key results. So I really like convenience. I've had to work in programs with without tools. And if I have my choice, if I have my pick, I would want tools. Going back to this analogy with Six Sigma, Six Sigma has all these statistical tools because it's a statistical program. You're looking at data. And with OKRs, it's the same. The data comes from your objectives and your key results. And you want to be able to look at them and you want to be able to see how they're coming along week after week. So because you want that, you don't want the hassle of just where is this stored? How can I look at it? How can I bring it up and extract value from that data? right? So I became a troubleshooter for that as well. And I really like reading OKRs. It makes you feel like a detective, like a sleuth, right? You're trying to piece this together. And the the richness, or let's just say a lot of value can come from asking a lot of questions in OKRs. And you also want to find the the right tone for your questions. But when you do that, you, you find that you can elaborate objectives that will be better 
uh, position to help a specific team, right? Because they're thought of better. And I think sometimes some quarters or some companies or some teams will will fail in in a specific initiative because the objective for some reason was not written with more attention to detail or more care or you just didn't get to the bottom line, right? You you just didn't get to that cause of um, imperfection, noise, or trouble. When do you want to have OKRs? Well, it is when you want to fix something and you want to make it better. That's the obvious reason. So who wouldn't want that, right? Who wouldn't want this opportunity? You get every quarter to be able to really concentrate and focus on a specific problem. You, you, you know, you just take the, the bulls by the horn and you have this opportunity to say, I really choose to concentrate on this. That's fantastic. And, and you're right, the amount of focus and energy that gets zoned into OKRs is immense in an organization. You know, you spoke about some really interesting points about the need to write high quality objectives. And this goes back to a point when I was interacting with some of the leaders who were trying to introduce OKRs. Sometimes OKRs is looked at like a romantic love story. But as we know, in a romantic love story, it's not all the time, there's not a super high every time, but there are some lows as well. So what do you think are some of the traps that people should watch out for and some things that could be a you know huge benefit. And I think you already articulated the benefits part, but how about some traps? I love that you brought this up. So in any love story, right, at the beginning is the honeymoon. The honeymoons don't come at the end. And there's a reason for that, right? Because at the beginning, it's all new, it's novelty. And for people who consider themselves innovators, it's just this wonderful opportunity to learn something new and to do your, you know, your old, same old job, but you're looking at it through a new lens. And that's what really happens at the early part of a relationship, right? You are getting to know this other person. It's all exciting. It's all new. And you've heard this expression, right? That happiness and love, they come in waves. So I have also seen this with, with OKRs because every cycle, every every quarter, it is different. It's not the same. It I think that helps to keep this spark alive and to keep it fresh and hopefully relevant. But it is also because it's not the same, you have some quarters that are better than others. It's not that it's more romantic or less romantic or less difficult, but there is this element of uh, romance in business. And it has to do with uh, the passion with which you tackle difficult or uh, just very challenging problems, right? So uh, right now, uh, there's a lot of talk about perhaps recession, right? And so these are the troubled times that you can also have in a relationship. You're trying to uh, do more perhaps with less resources, or people just sometimes are tired, right? So you have that added, I guess, complex layer, which is your human talent and how they're doing. So it's keeping, I think it's also a way of caring for your employees because yeah. if you're giving them more tools so that they can work better amongst each other and one of them is on the foundation of communication, I think that brings a huge wealth, a wealth of opportunities because 
communication is so important. And it is, of course, in any relationship, right? Following the same analogy. So I, I really like that about OKRs, that they give you this opportunity to tell the story to your company, one, on why you're doing it, right? Why are you investing in this methodology for strategic execution? And then that story, you need to keep it alive. So why do you keep doing it, right? Quarter after quarter, year after year, well, it must be because you're gaining more than you're giving, right? It must be because you're netting out in this net positive where uh, because you're investing this time becomes its own traction, right? It becomes its own movement. No, this is a fantastic. I just love how you articulated it with an analogy of romance and business. In fact, Mario, that should be your next book, Romance and Business and OKRs. Eh? <laughs> and I look forward to that when you get that on. Um, so Remember, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> what I was very intrigued about OKRs when I started at the beginning was this exercise of um, redlining them and crafting them. And I thought, you know, that was such a huge investment of time. And I was thinking, how can I shortcut this? How can I make it faster? How can I make this more efficient? And that was my first big mistake, because I should not have been thinking about that. Because if it's difficult to write your OKRs, it is because you're not that involved with the problem or the situation. And that's a good thing because it means, you know, if it were an obvious thing to fix, you mm -hmm. would not dedicate time to it. And I found that the quarters in which I struggled the most for a team or even for myself to come out with that set of OKRs, when it was really more difficult to get them right the first, the second, or the third time, it was actually when we were able to really pinpoint like a better path mm -hmm. to work on a complex problem. Had we not struggled with it, like with the definition of the problem statement, had we not pushed ourselves to really think about it better, then we would not have extracted or derived the value from it later on through the quarter. Because it was all about, well, why do we want to do this? What will it give us, right? Mm -hmm. Will it really move the needle or not? And at the beginning, I was like, well, how many times am I going to have to work on this draft? And mm -hmm. the answer is, well, until you get it as right as possible without it slowing it you down. Because they also say in this program that do not be a perfectionist. Yes. And you're right. You know, perfection is the enemy of progress. So you're so spot on. And it's so iterative because every quarter, I really like what you said, because you were trying to, I think what I hear you say is that you're trying to move certain things along. And then you realize that there's a method of doing this and really going through that entire process of making it iterative. So just love what you just articulated, Mariel. That's so, so akin to how it actually happens on the ground. So you know, it's been such an amazing conversation and really learning so much about how Six Sigma and OKRs, what are some of the parallels that one could draw? How to really make it data-driven? And then you went on to some really amazing points around how do you really roll out OKRs, but watch out for those benefits and traps so that you can get the most out of it. So, you know, just to kind of take it to a wrap of the conversation, are you ready for a rapid fire round, Mariel? Yes, I am. Okay, great. So, Mariel, what's your favorite business book? 
That's a great question. I didn't have a favorite. I went my whole life, or at least uh, my whole adult life, without having a favorite business book. And then I discovered one that is awesome. I'm really excited about this book. It's called. You can't see it. It's kind of blurred out, but it's the Lords of Strategy. It's mm-hmm. written by um, Walter Kichel the Third, and the tagline is: "It's the secret intellectual history of the new corporate world." So, if you like reading about these wonderful stories of how businesses were made, or theories of management, how did they come to be? or business leaders and gurus. Mm-hmm. This is the book. This is the book because it's written in a in a very easy way, but it has all these insights. I fantastic. think it's awesome. Thank you, yeah. Mariel. That is fantastic. So what's your favorite quote that gets you pumped up every morning? So I, I just read one and I don't know who wrote it, but I loved it. And it said, if you are not drowning, then you are the life coach. Okay. And <laughs> I loved it because it's true, right? If you can lend an extra hand or even if you don't have a lot of time, but perhaps at that moment you have a little bit more than someone else, then you Mm -hmm. can help. So I I thought about it because many times we're waiting for someone to come and help us or come and save us. But sometimes you can be the lifeguard. You said it absolutely. Mariel, when you're not working, what would you rather do? I love going on on walks with my daughter. We have at home a very young Welsh terrier who we have to walk to death. And I don't mean that, you know, to death, but just about being outside, walking around. I love it. Oh, that's wonderful. A parent and a pet parent is so wonderful to hear that. Mariel, your advice to other leaders who are trying to introduce OKRs, what would you tell them? Okay, so... Remember what I was telling about this comfort zone? So at Romby, because at Romby, they did things very well. So I was very fortunate to join this very talented group of very bright people. So remember what I said about not, you know, reading a book and then jumping to adopt mm-hmm. the program? At this company, they read all the books. Okay. And then what they did was they wrote their own playbook. Mm-hmm about how they would adopt the program to them, what every stage would look like, how they would deploy the program, how they would inundate resources to it to support it. And then every year, the playbook, it gets tweaked. It gets refreshed because, and and this is obvious now, but it wasn't to me. Obviously, your organization changes over time. It's not the same. It evolves. It it, it changes shape. So it's obvious that you need to go back and with your OKR program, really assess what still makes sense and what needs to be adjusted. And it sounds so logical, right? Because it happens with processes in other parts of the company. You change maybe a process in customer service or you change a progress, uh, a process in HR. So it's obvious, why wouldn't you change the way you're deploying OKRs? And for us, it was very important to do this. And now we're doing it every year. So I guess what I want to say is, even if you think you have it all worked out, you have it all resolved, 
there's always this space to improve it because you just learn so much because you're trying to fix different problems or articulating different things within your company. This company is a live organism and it's awesome what you discover about a team or a project or a process through through this program. So I, I guess that was something I underestimated the importance of going back to your own OKR playbook and really going through it and asking yourself, well, if I said this was going to work, did it work? And how am I testing this? How am I really asking myself the hard questions of what value did it bring us, right? Mm -hmm. If we said we were going to work on all these objectives that our company needed, how many of them were just outputs or outcomes or KPIs mm-hmm. or nice to haves. And then which ones really helped us move the needle? Fantastic. Mariel, it is so valuable what you just shared. And thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. If there's somebody who's so passionate about strategy execution, you come top of mind. And thank you so much for sharing all these wonderful learnings. I'm sure it really is of high value to our audience who's going to listen to this and take it back to their organizations. Have a wonderful day and we look forward to hosting you many more times in the future. Thank you so much, Vidya. Thank you so much for bearing with me and accompanying me on this. I love talking about OKRs, learning about OKRs. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mario.